0: The best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it, that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor. With exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. <laughs> is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAS Performance Rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performances was just lacked that intensity. So just to explain, we use a traffic light system in case you're new to this. Uh, green is generally good. Amber is like, oh, uh, not sure if you're good or bad. Or, you know, you could be better or it could be worse. And then red is obviously uh, for the bad. Um, to, you know... Um, maybe reveal a little bit about how today's show has been made. There's a lot of golf in this, Kathleen. I didn't have you pegged as a, as a golf wanker like the rest of the, the people here. But actually, these were Nathan's performance rankings that we're doing.
1: These are Nathan's performance rankings. And you're very right about me not being a golf aficionado. Um, it, it wouldn't be my strongest sport in the world. But we're going to give it a go anyways. And sure, I was following along yesterday, as I think most of Ireland was, like you're saying at the top of the show, with Lowry and McElroy, both in contention. Um, are we starting with the bad golf or the good golf? Let's start
0: with the bad golf. Start uh, with the bad golf. I think, um, so There was a really interesting interview yesterday, Patrick Reed, in the, the Sunday Times, where he was talking about how they've turned him into the black hat and that um, there's a massive conspiracy that golf decided they needed a villain. Patrick Reed won a tournament It was like, oh, I'm in the top five players in the world. And everybody was like, yeah, you're the guy. And um, he was making the point that, Uh, so Patrick Reed was accused of all sorts of things um, cheating and theft while he was in college he says he's got uh, two sworn affidavits essentially from coaches to say that the cheating never happened and the theft never happened which you know is kind of important because that was the first story that came out about Patrick Reed, and then there was all the stuff about um, him essentially divorcing his family not quite Mm. Macaulay Culkin style but uh, similar enough that um, you know that the family aren't in contact anymore and that his wife uh, has taken the brunt of American golf fans who, let's face it, might be the worst people on the planet. You know, there's like They're a... not
1: a great bunch.
0: <laughs> the, the competition is very intense, but American golf fans will be right up there as um, some of the worst people on the planet. And uh, how frequently, you know, she's uh, crying behind her sunglasses. And so that was the piece that was published on Sunday morning, I think, in the Sunday Times. And then he ripped the course up mm. with a 62 and was like, he's going to win this tournament this is absolutely sensational. So that would have been like the biggest triumph that Live Golf could possibly have had if um, Patrick Reed tells everybody actually there is this conspiracy. He's he's got a like multi hundred million multi hundreds of millions. I can't remember is it 260 or is it 700 million lawsuit going against um, the Golf Channel and NBC and one of the Golf Channel commentators. So it's it's wild stuff, right? It's like very very interesting stuff. On the other side of this from the Live Golf perspective is Sergio Garcia, who has not come out very well from all of the stories around the uh, transfer of Live over. The, the texts between him and Greg Norman were obviously released as part of the, the ongoing court case, which again, won't finally work its way through the system until early next year. And uh, it seemed like he was, you know, he was earning his money for Liv. Um,
1: Garcia always just seems to be at the front of something controversial or at the front, like it's consistently week in, week out, he is saying something that offends someone or he is doing something that offends the culture of golf or the, the, I suppose, politeness that they like to think that they put around the entire thing. And I think the fact that after everything everyone has said about Liv, what he did this weekend was... Not great at all when you think of the players that are stuck up in this legal case and don't get to play. So um,
0: one of Patrick Reed's points was like, I deserve to be here. I have done as much for this tour as anybody has. I've played it as often, if not more often than a lot of the people complaining about the fact that I'm and other live golfers are here. So he might have a case. You know, I don't know the stats on how often he's played in the European Tour or the DP World Tour, the DP Tour, whatever it's called these days. Over the last number of years, but he certainly felt like he was worthy of his place in the field at Wentworth. It's a big tournament from a European Tour perspective. You know, there's points and money on offer that will allow some people to save their card and so therefore save their livelihood. And that's why pre tournament McElroy was saying, you know, these guys shouldn't be here. They're taking up space that other people really need. There was a bunch of people who'd said that. Larry said the same thing. One of the people who, you know, who was supposed to be like a European Tour, you know, Ryder Cup if there was a crest on his heart I'm sure he would have kissed it for the, uh, for the crowd performatively down through the years was Sergio Garcia who took, a f- took his place in the tournament right mm. and then stank the joint out on day one four over par day two as we know got cancelled um, and then there was a debate about whether that was going to happen again and then uh, day three come tea off time
1: just isn't there no
0: doesn't show up it's like well I'm not going to win now there's no cut right mm. so there's no reason to leave Mm. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. There was a cut after those rounds, wasn't there? Uh,
1: I think so, there was.
0: Okay. Either way, either way, Sergio Garcia withdraws from the BMW PGA.
1: And of course, he goes quietly. He doesn't then, turn up anywhere that he shouldn't turn up afterwards. right? Uh,
0: Texas, Alabama. Uh, big game in college football. Mm-hmm. You know, two, two big, big teams. And there he is uh, in the end zone, pre-kickoff having the crack I don't know who he's with but he's with somebody I don't know if that's um, I actually don't know is that his wife
1: I have no idea
0: it could be I'm not sure um, so there you go Sergio not arsed playing in the tournament that he's taken the place of somebody who really needs the place uh, has done a little bit of um, shilling for live, and um, maybe he should be the black hat as opposed to Patrick Reeves. he certainly you know <clears throat> he fits the bill
1: off the basis of the weekend, I think he deserves it. And it's a bit like you were saying, I mean, maybe Patrick Reed has played this event many, many times before and has earned that place there. But even just the fact that he turned up and stayed and didn't go fly over to the States for a college football game, because he would have had to have known he was going to that game a day or two before to actually make it over there. So he clearly finished up on the Thursday and just went, right, well, that's me. I'm gone.
0: Uh, it turns out, and Greg Allen uh, tweeted this, Alfredo Farcia Heredia was <clears throat> the first alternate in the tournament. So if Garcia had pulled out instead of playing, your man would have got in and his current situation is he's 134th on the um, road to Dubai with the cutoff for a card next season at 121. So he could easily have won enough money to save on. his career. And he's, he also happens to be a Spaniard. So I'm sure Sergio Garcia is very, very popular. In, uh, in that gaff and everywhere else so yeah, look you know when someone shows you who they are you should believe them
1: very much so very very much so and it's, it's sad it's like you said Like it's actually harming someone's career or someone's potential earnings in the future for a man that Definitely does not need extra money.
0: Yeah, so I think it's fair enough that Nathan would have put him in the red this morning.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with Nathan on that one, Hopefully. despite not being the officiant out of that Nathan is. <laughs>
0: Hopefully we've done some justice to it. Uh, right. Uh, OK, if you have a view on that, you can uh, leave a comment in the YouTube stream or, of course, you can always get us at Off the AM on Twitter. Now, also in the red this morning, um, women's football in Galway
1: yeah Galway United released or Galway sorry FC they're not connected to Galway United uh, released a statement over the weekend saying that they had reluctantly decided not to apply for inclusion in next season's women 's national league and the statement was quite strange because they went on to talk about all the success they had had you know they mentioned the players that have come through the club that have been successful they're only fifth in the league at the moment so it 's not like they 're performing badly or anything and it's just interesting because it just seems like another thing coming out of this Galway team where they aren't performing all that well. I mean, they had Ruth Fahey as CEO for... I think it was a couple of weeks, a couple of months in the end, and then ended up having to release an apology to her saying that they didn't have the structures in place to actually support a full time CEO. Um, And it's just, it's sad for women's football in the country. It's sad for football in the country. And it's also sad for football in the West because, you know, we had Sligo Rovers joining this season. Everyone was really excited. There was a new team, new competition. Obviously, the women's team is smashing it at the moment as well. So, I'm not sure. There has been some talk that maybe they will come under the Galway United banner and that that's why Galway have announced this because they're confident that that will happen. But, yeah, it just seems strange to go ahead with it if that is the case without a little bit of a backup plan or at least be able to say, like, look, guys, we've built all this and we've done all these amazing things. We're now passing the baton on to someone else and it's coming under that team But. That's not what they decided to do.
0: As you say, they're fifth in the table at the moment. And it's like completely safe mid-table. You know, they're on 36 points. Wexford Hughes and and Shelburne are 49 and 48 points. So, like, they're not disgracing themselves. This isn't like everything has gone to pot uh, to complete shambles. It's actually the opposite. They seem to have built, and the statement is suggesting that they've built a throughput of talent. So it's a big challenge to the football people of Galway to rally around and, you know, uh, get together and, and come and sort it out Uh, the speculation about Galway United is interesting right because obviously uh, Galway United's takeover by the Comer Group has has been um, affected and so it looked like finally football in Galway is on a very secure footing so it would make sense if under one banner football was to progress but you would tend to hope that that would be done in the background and this announcement would happen we're changing to Galway United the systems have been put in place um, so yeah,
1: exactly. And I know, like, there is a lot of eagerness for League of Ireland and like WNL clubs to be under the one banner within the FAI. So, if that is the case, great, more power to them. But also, it just it seems a bit weird. And even with them blaming additional costs and demanding of time, and you're like, well, if you're a club that we're looking at putting in a full time CEO last year and now you're all of a sudden saying it all costs too much and you can't run a club effectively it just it sounds like there's something more going on there and i feel like this is definitely not the last we've heard of this story
0: yeah hopefully there is a team from galway and ideally uh from the same club as the men's team and um football in galway because it's like a hotbed of talent like that's the that the main point here is that like loads of young players have come through over the last while and are making it um so yeah we'll keep an eye on that one in the amber today, we have decided to put um, the sevens.
1: The Irish sevens, yeah. So, the men today... Well, we were kind of debating about this one in the office beforehand because it was their best ever finish in... So the, it's kind
0: of in the green. It's just so we, it's kind of in the green. You only have room for two greens. Is that <laughs> is that what we're saying here?
1: A little bit, a little bit. And I think... Uh, while it was great that they got to where they did, I think there was some disappointment, especially with the defeat to New Zealand, and that we could have very easily snuck a bit of a, a win there, and we didn't manage to do it. So great that to win the bronze medal and beat Australia in 1914. And you look at the names we're beating, like South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. We all know that they're big teams when it comes to rugby whether they're sevens or 15 so i think it it was a great success for the men's and builds on a great year for them in general it's and
0: harsh that they're not in the green in fairness
1: it um, is a little, a little harsh
0: anytime you reach a rugby world cup semi final uh, you're trailblazers it turns out cuz we obviously have a quarter final hex um <laughs> we're like the like the male footballers slightly hexed uh however um we uh, look we just didn't have enough room for green right yeah. they're officially the the women's team I think were would they consider themselves unfortunate but they ended up was it in the 5th 7th 7th yeah
1: and so it wasn't for them it definitely wasn't the tournament I think that they wanted um, especially after all the attention there has been on them this year but we can we can salute the men for what they did and we swear that this is a positive orange this is we see what you're doing and we're expecting you to do more next year because you're growing
0: <laughs> yeah Okay, uh, comments coming through. Apparently the football was cancelled as they expected fans to boo during the minute silence, especially places like Liverpool, says Damien. I mean, are they that terrified of the few people booing? I guess they are. If you were to look at the, uh, the um, Trevor Sinclair cancellation mm. for like pointing out that, you know, there's a kind of slightly difficult history here around colonialism folks and maybe this might be a big opportunity for us to revisit our attitudes, uh, maybe a few boos would have been like, I mean, it might have been nice to see what they're. Yeah, well, there
1: there was an argument that it would make them look bad across the world, and I feel like there's very mixed opinions across the world about the monarchy in general. I mean, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So there are some people that would be like, oh, well, that's not very respectful, but I I don't think it would have been the massive thing that the FA or the Premier League seem to think it was. Or else
0: you're a functioning democracy and people are saying, you know, you're actually a democracy uh, and people are saying, I have a difference of opinion here. Mm-hmm. Like it's and again, I don't know if people were specifically booing uh, the the dead queen as opposed to booing the notion of having a queen because they're, yeah. they're separate things. But it's, you know, there's no time for nuance when the um, signs are up where we're in mourning. And it's the opposite of house private. So it's just, it's been very interesting to watch what's going on. The uh, the golfers were pulled off the course and you're like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. They're, they're ruining the golf for the weekend, particularly when Shane Larry's in such good form. And then it's like, no, I'll go back out. What's the big deal? Like, yeah. we just play. It's fine.
1: And even, like, sports like rugby went ahead. I mean, most sports in England went ahead, I think, apart from the football argument being that she was, like, patron of the FA and it meant a bit more <sighs> and all this washy. stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> wishy-washy, like, very wishy-washy.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe, I, I don't know if they acted in haste or if there was something more to it, but it just does seem very bizarre that, of all sports, it didn't go ahead. We're going to and- talk... Sorry, go on. Well, like, because you could just do like I think it would have made more sense to actually do um, tributes to her at the games, and it would have rather than just nothing yeah, at all. I don't really get the whole idea of having complete silence over everything.
0: Yeah, a minute's applause, maybe. Mm. Do you know? Is there, like, exactly. Is there, is and there an get rid of the views then. Um, okay, so in the green,
1: we have the one and only Shane Lowry, and also we have the winner of the U.S. Open, Alcaraz. The future of tennis.
0: Yeah, it is. It is here. It is now. He started the season like a house on fire, had a bit of a wobble around Wimbledon time, and then roared back in. And uh, Jenny Clappy's going to join us in the studio, so we can we can talk about this a bit more later on. Um, Swiatek, as I said, uh, you know, fairly sensational performance from her across the whole year, again with the exception of Wimbledon. Um, so I don't know. Maybe the fact that Wimbledon had no ranking points this year. The kids People were like, didn't no, care
1: as much. No,
0: not, not having it. Don't care. Show me your tradition. Show me the ranking point. That's all. Like, so we'll see <laughs> next season if they both come and win in Wimbledon, uh, we'll be able to retrospectively fit that narrative nicely to it. But yeah. to the golf, right? So um, as I said, black hat Patrick Reed comes out and rips the course up yesterday and uh, sets a clubhouse lead and sets a great score. And then John Ram starts like firing in the birdies and um, Shane Lowry matches them. And coming down the last... Larry has a putt for Eagle that he tickles down to the hole, gives himself a one stroke lead, and the only other golfer out on the course with the opportunity to do anything to stop it, is to stop him winning, is Roy McElroy. And
1: uh, Saw a lot of very confused fans yesterday about who they're supposed to be shouting for.
0: Well, <laughs> that's it, right? I think if you trace the week that um Roy McElroy has had, like the CEO of Whoop last week was tweeting that there's no other sport that uh, needs this one athlete more than golf at the moment and he got a lot of uh, flack for that but like he's he's an independent person he's not like an Irish person going oh mm-hmm. Roy McElroy's the most person, important person in golf but like over the last five months Roy McIlroy has become the most important person in golf like Tiger is kind of uh, obviously in the background but not the force that he was because of the car accident and uh, is still recovering and recuperating for that they've invented a whole new sport to try and popularise it where they're going to go to places like you know the O2 arena <coughs> pardon me and the stadium thing that they're they're talking about doing so we'll see whether or not that works he's like been this single bulwark against live golf if he had decided to go that would have been it like golf so would have been completely changed and the amount of money that they must have offered him to do that is eye-watering like it's the type of money that would all the other golfers have found it impossible to turn down but if they'd got Rory that would have been the end of it mm. and so he comes out and put, puts his best form together uh, and, and wins the 16 million or whatever it was two weeks ago and then on the last he's standing over uh, the ball in the fairway knowing that he needs to make eagle to force a playoff against Larry, who has been in fairness uh, also this week very strong about the whole thing and he stitches it like, mm. and then he's standing over the putt, and it's like, well, uh, was it Wayne Riley doing the commentary? The the giant white hole is calling the ball towards it here, and I don't know if you saw the putt, but it, like, I did, yeah. One one more revolution, he just didn't hit it. He just didn't hit it.
1: Do you think he's trying to make another hero for the golf tour?
0: Or? Oh, oh, you, oh, Wow, um, I don't think so. <laughs> I, think, um, I think he's such a competitor that. Uh, but what a playoff it would have been.
1: Oh, it would have been sensational. and I, I feel like there would have been a lot of hoarse voices afterwards. But it was great to see Lauer win. And even his speech afterwards, I thought, was very good. And like you say, much like McElroy, he has been one of the voices speaking out against live over the last week. And he's been quite strong and... I did kinda like when he was saying this is, you know, this is a win for the good guys. After all their talk there had been during the week about what was going to happen at this event and I think maybe it was slightly calmed down by the fact that the Queen died and there was that extra day, I think attention moved off the politics of it slightly over the whole event. Um, and then
0: Patrick Reed brought, brought it all back up on Sunday morning. Patrick
1: Reed brought it all back up um, on Sunday morning.
0: And no better man. like he's uh, Patrick Reed's going to be an interesting character in this whole thing now over the next while. He's obviously decided he's going to start talking about stuff. He said he won't talk about the family stuff um, and so therefore uh, he's got no defence against people accusing him of You know, uh, whatever it is that they're accusing him of, so that will be interesting to see how that develops. Um, Here's a question from the comments that I don't know the answer to: Would that have been uh, the first all Irish playoff on the tour if Rory had hold that putt? That's from Rick Jagger. I don't know. Is there anybody out there who's a a golf history buff who could tell us? Has there ever been a playoff with just a couple of Irish golfers? I don't know. Was there ever one with Harrington Harrington. and somebody? That's what I was thinking. Was there ever one? I don't know. I mean, do you think that would be the era?
1: If Nathan is sitting at home listening, he can text into the show because I feel like that's the sort of thing he might know.
0: <laughs> From his sickbed. <laughs> uh, um, Danny Mac says, I like history. So after watching the monarchy history over the weekend, the Bundesliga should have been cancelled. Hey, hey, <laughs> see what you did there, Danny. We see what you did there. If you want to get in touch, oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty 180 is the WhatsApp number. Or, of course, you can get us on uh, at, at off the ball am on Twitter. It's the best Twitter handle for the show. Uh, In terms of the tennis, right? So, like, quietly, almost imperceptibly, the era of Djokovic, Federer and Nadal has passed. Federer out with injury and may come and play like some kind of heritage act next season. Mm -hmm. Jenny Claffey was not writing Nadal off, you know, just that um, the only match that he lost this year in the slams uh, was at the US Open. It's just that the power that he had over everybody was kind of psychological in a way. And that seems to have been broken just because his body is breaking down. And the other thing that's happened is obviously the young players coming through are really bloody good. Mm. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the end of that era and the fact that something new is happening.
1: I'm kind of excited for it. I mean, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy watching the three lads absolutely dominate, but it is nice to have other people to talk about and new conversations to have because it does get to a point where there is only so many times you can say that people are unreal Um, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of the younger players play in Wimbledon when I covered it not this year this summer before and it there's just such an excitement and like you say, like the bodies of Nadal and Federer, like they're, they are breaking down. They're not able to move around a court in the way that they used to be. They're still incredible athletes, but you're watching these younger players and there's a lightness to them that the older players might not have anymore. I agree with what Jenny said last week about not writing Nadal off yet. I think you look at the way he played this season. It's not as great as it has been in the past, but he still has a lot to give. Federer, yeah, I don't think anyone really expects all that much out of Federer for the the rest of the time that he does play, and I mean Djokovic is Djokovic, he's still like, as much as these young guys are coming up they still do have to get past that barrier of those, and those guys, as long as they're playing, they are going to be a, like a concern and I think there's a difference or around them to say there is someone like Serena when she was coming to the end of her career you know she was very much petering out whereas I don't think Nadal is quite there or and Djokovic definitely isn't there yet so I'm excited to see these younger players come up and I'm excited to talk about something else for a while Um because it's why I've always preferred the women's draw to a certain extent because you do have a bit more competition and there are a few more names in the loop and it's not just the same three which is probably sacrilegious of me to say to some people who are big Federer, Nadal and Djokovic fans
0: <laughs> It's funny I totally understand the point uh, it's just that it felt like their their greatness was so great like um, as compared with other previous eras I, I don't know maybe the way that the, the game has evolved there would have been other like the, the amount of money that you win for winning the majors and the amount of prestige that you win for winning the majors, I don't know if um, if there was more money on offer for things like the end of season. I remember there was a, a gold racket that um, Ivan Lendl used to win every year, which was actually worth as much, if not more than. So therefore, he put all his attention into that. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know if um, or what caused those three great players to rise up simultaneously. or Fairly close to being simultaneous, um, but Alcaraz was involved in a five-setter in the round of 16, a five-setter in the quarterfinal, a five-setter in the semi, and then a handy four-setter in the finals against um, against Rude, uh, which means that like he didn't have it easy, uh, you know. And I think was it was the second longest match in U.S. Open history. Was one of them was either the quarterfinal? I think it was the quarterfinal against Sinner.
1: Yeah, it was the quarterfinal. That was the one that went on until like 3am in the morning. It was absolutely ridiculous.
0: (laughs) So he didn't win it easy um, and it is exactly the type of thing that is going to uh, make everybody stand up and and take notice. And again, he's not 20 until next May. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly when the the French Open is next year but he certainly is the youngest. I think the youngest world number one. Um, Basically the birth of a superstar has happened Mm -hmm. on Amazon Prime this week. So, uh youngest you,
1: US Open winner since Pete Sampras I think as well.
0: Okay. He had an okay career. Yeah,
1: in 1990, so. And he played Agassi in that final. So.
0: Yeah, I said that was an era, right, where those guys were you would have said very talented. I don't know what the difference between them and the Djokovic and Nadal and the Hoovering up of uh all of the the majors is. Um
1: I think it's just the complete dominance of them. Like you, there wasn't anyone else in the conversation for so long and it's so rare you get that in a sport where you, you might have one team or one player who's particularly good but to have three competing in a single person sport at the same time and just no one being able to get near them it's like it is insane I, I don't know if we will ever see the likes of it again I hope we do but it does feel like a once in a lifetime thing
0: Um, yeah unless uh, Rude and Alcaraz and uh, another is one. <laughs> Sinner or TFO we'll see yeah. um, he's he's a bit older he's 24 he's now lads uh, oh, making the breakthrough ancient. at this yeah uh, right if you've got a view on anything that we've covered or haven't covered then we'd love to hear from you this morning 87 is the WhatsApp number we should give a shout out here to John Duggan and Virtual Insanity for the insane run that he is on at the moment he tipped his headline tip this week with Shane Larry for the golf and for those of you who were uh, on his headline tip he also mentioned Patrick Reed. I think um, so uh, I think his profits up it was 22% heading into this one so we'll get the exact figures for you later on in the week but he is a man on fire as it stands for there was there anybody else that we wanted to put in the the green was there anything else
1: I think we covered it all there Uh, I thought Kira McGee had another good run at the weekend the
0: the 5th uh, Avenue Mile was mm-hmm. the um, the race. We, we talked a little bit about this with Eamon Cochran on the show last week in advance of the Griffith Avenue Mile which is next week and now it turns out they shut down 5th Avenue for that. Uh, she was beaten by Laura Muir in that so... Um, Muir obviously turning the tables on her from the um, Diamond League I was going to say I feel
1: like that's the classic rivalry between the two of them they seem to go toe to toe quite a lot
0: Yeah it's it's brewing into something nicely Mm. and coming up to the boil so hopefully there'll be plenty of them in the Diamond Leagues next year and they hopefully both make loads of money from it (laughs) That is this week's edition of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings
1: OTBAS Performance Rankings with Gillette